Yeah, so a friend of mine recently scolded me in a very loving and manipulative way. He said, it's time for a new episode, don't you think? And yes, I do think, JP. So welcome to Chronicles of a Psychology Professor, episode four. title of today's episode, I think, is excellent. It's amazing. These concepts were not created by me. I actually ripped them off from other people. But the title is Masturbation, Shooting All Over Yourself and the Paradoxical Intent. Masturbation, Shooting All Over Yourself and the Paradoxical Intent. I, I must confess that the title is probably a lot better than the actual episode. So lower your expectations. <laughs> I was watching a video yesterday on the concept of paradox of choice. And I was watching Barry Schwartz talking about this. He's actually the guy that wrote the book on this paradox of choice. And, and that's a topic probably for, for another um, time, another episode. But in the video... He said that the key to happiness, or something like this, I probably don't remember it uh, exactly the way he said it, but something like this, the, the, the key to happiness is low expectations. So the secret to be happy, if you want to be happy, lower your expectations. And if you want to enjoy this podcast, I you know, suggest you do the same. I think I'm going to start off talking about the paradoxical intent. Um, I'm probably not going to do this topic any justice, right? But um, I, I at least want to bring it up. And the person who kind of coined this is Viktor Frankl. He is definitely one of my favorite uh, personalities in psychology. You know, he was a Holocaust survivor. Uh, he wrote an amazing book that I highly recommend. It's called Man's Search for Meaning, and I recommend you go find it, buy it, read it. He actually wrote this book uh, while being imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp. Most of his best work, I think, was created as he was a prisoner of these concentration camps. So I, I am not going to do uh, Viktor Frankl any justice or or the, the concept of paradoxical intent for that matter. But at least now you heard the name, Viktor Frankl. You heard about the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And now you have this term kind of in your head, paradoxical intent. You can search it up, do your own research and learn more about it. I, I truly recommend it. But I'm going to try to talk about it a little bit. Um, my, my mind is, is, is a dark, twisted and messy place. It is. It truly is. It's a dark, twisted, and messy place. Um, a friend of mine says that I have a beautiful mind, but I think she just says that as, as a nice way of saying or confirming that I am quite unstable. But my mind tends to do the opposite of what I want it to do. I don't know if this happens to you too. It's only me. My mind tends to do the opposite of what I want it to do. If I want to go to sleep early, I can't. I'll lay in bed 
for hours without being able to sleep. If I want to, you know, stay up late, let's say on a weekend, and I want to stay up late, I don't know, watching some movies or doing whatever, hanging out, uh, and it's a Friday night, it's a Saturday night, and I want to stay up late. Guess what happens? At 9 p.m., I am so sleepy. I, I can't keep my eyes open and I fall asleep. This happens probably more often in the morning during uh, the weekdays, you know, uh, I, I need to get up early, right? So I set my alarm at an early time. My, alarms go, my alarm goes off and, and it's such a horrible experience to hear that alarm go off because I'm so comfortable. I'm sleeping. I'm enjoying it. I don't want to get up. I don't, I don't want to get up. I snooze my alarm a few times. I'm one of those crazy people that thinks that actually two more minutes of sleep is going to make a difference. <laughs> I always tell myself, I'm going to sleep for two more minutes, like if, like if the, that really makes a difference, right? And every morning, you know, I'm so comfortable in bed. I don't want to get up. I'm so sleepy. I quit my job every morning. <laughs> you know, in my mind, I quit my job and I realize I can't. Anyway, I get up, I get ready and I go. But on the weekends, you know, Saturday morning when I can get up late, when I can wake up late, guess what happens? By 6.30 in the morning, I'm wide awake and I try to convince myself to sleep, but I can't. I'm wide awake, so I get up. My mind tends to do the opposite of what I want it to do. So right before the semester was going to start, the night before uh, the start of the semester, I, I really, really wanted to get my beauty sleep. It's not easy to look this good, you know? So I do need to get my, my, my beauty sleep. And I remember that I, that I, you know, went to bed early, turned off the light, turned off the TV, I'm laying there, I, you know, I got to go to sleep early to get a good night's rest to be ready for the start of the semester. And like I mentioned before, an hour goes by, two hours go by, and I am just laying there. I can't sleep. And that's when I remembered Viktor Frankl, his logotherapy, and specifically, I remembered this concept, I vaguely remembered this concept of paradoxical intent. So what is this about? I guess the bottom line is that um, the more you avoid or the more you resist something, the more strength, strength you give that something. I don't know if that makes sense, right? So he was focused mainly on anxiety and fear. Remember, this is a guy who is a prisoner in a concentration camp uh, who is observing all his fellow uh, men and women suffer um, you know, that horrible experience of being uh, prisoners in, in concentration camps. But he observed that the more people try to avoid or resist the objects of their fear and anxiety, the stronger the fear and the anxiety became. And this is true for anxiety and for fear. The more you avoid it, the stronger it gets. The more you resist it, the stronger it gets. So then he suggests that instead of avoiding and instead of resisting, you know, people should just, you know, uh, embrace that object or embrace that situation. Stop avoiding and stop resisting. And that is what lowers the level of anxiety and the level of fear experienced by people, 
right? And this uh, concept of the paradoxical intent has been used a lot to treat insomnia. You know, insomnia is that inability to fall asleep or stay asleep. So some people recommend using this concept of the paradoxical intent to treat uh, insomnia. So basically, if you're laying there in bed and you can't sleep, instead of trying to fall asleep, you should do the opposite. You should try to stay awake as long as you possibly can. So instead of resisting the insomnia, you should embrace it. And instead of trying to not sleep, you should actually try to stay awake as long as possible. The idea here is, the concept or the main idea is, that once you stop actually trying to fall asleep, you will fall asleep, right? Because by resisting it or by fighting it, you're giving it more strength. So if you fight insomnia, you're making that insomnia stronger. So you stop fighting it, you give into it, you embrace it, and instead of trying to fall asleep, you try to not fall asleep. So when I thought of this, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it. So I'm laying there, right? Hours go by. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to sleep. I'm going to see how long I can stay awake. I'm going to see if I can stay awake all night. The idea is I wasn't resisting it anymore. I can't sleep. Okay, I accept it. I can't sleep. I embraced my reality of insomnia, right? Following the concept of the paradoxical intent. So there I am doing the opposite of what I want, trying to trick my mind. So now instead of trying to sleep, I'm actually laying there trying not to sleep. And guess what happened? Just take a wild guess. I couldn't sleep anyway. I tried to trick my, my mind and I couldn't. Apparently my mind has inside information. <laughs> so I couldn't mess with it. So I, there I am awake most of the night and I'm tired the next day. And, and, and you guys know how that is. But the paradoxical intent is precisely about not avoiding and resisting. It's about learning to accept certain uncomfortable realities because the more we resist and the more we avoid the stronger the object of our avoidance and resistance becomes whatever that may be like i said victor frankl focuses on fear and anxiety the more you avoid it the stronger it gets the more you resist it the stronger it gets it's, this has been used with insomnia you know so instead of fighting against it you embrace it you go with it you do the opposite pretty much of what you want to do and when I think about the paradoxical intent, I, I, what I think about is achieving change through acceptance. Instead of avoiding and resisting, you simply accept that reality that you're facing, right? And, and I call this achieving change through acceptance. And, and the phrase itself is a paradox. The phrase itself is contradicting. Right? When I look up the definition of achieve, to achieve, what I find is the following. To achieve is to su successfully bring about or reach a desired outcome by effort. So to successfully bring about or reach a desired outcome by effort. That's what it is to achieve. Acceptance, and, and from a psychological perspective, okay? Acceptance is when you assent to the reality of a situation. Typically, you know, a negative or uncomfortable situation. You, you, you kind of give in to it 
without attempting to change or, or protest it, right? So acceptance is the opposite of avoidance and resistance. You know, we experience a lot of negative and uncomfortable situations in our lives, right? And, and some of these situations, there is nothing we can do about them, right? And here's what happens when there's nothing we can do about something that we dislike, something that makes us uncomfortable, something that we describe as a negative experience. When there's nothing we can do about it, we tend to try to avoid it or to resist it, right? But the thing is, the more we avoid and the more we resist, the stronger that negative and uncomfortable experience becomes. So acceptance means, acceptance means we need to stop trying to avoid and trying to resist the things that we can't change. Okay, in life, there's a lot of things that we do have control over, right? And there, there, there are a lot of things that we can change. So then we go about and try to change them. But there's also a lot of realities in life that we have no control over, right? Uh, there's a lot of uncomfortable and negative situations, circumstances, events, thoughts, emotions that we have no control over, right? And the problem is when we face something we can't control, we tend to try to avoid it or resist it. The problem with that is that, is that what I've been saying, the more you avoid and the more you resist, the stronger that something, that experience, that thought, that emotion, that behavior, that situation becomes. The more you avoid, the more you resist, the more strength you're giving to it. So the idea here is to achieve change through acceptance. And I know it's a paradox because what am I telling you? I'm telling you to do something by doing Nothing. And I think I wrote it here in a different way. You know, I'm proposing that we do something by apparently doing nothing. And people have an issue with this concept of acceptance. You know, we confuse acceptance with resignation. Acceptance is not resignation. We confuse acceptance with tolerance. Acceptance is not tolerance. We even confuse acceptance with approval. When you accept a situation, it doesn't mean you, ex you, you accept it, right? You, I'm sorry. When you, when you accept a situation, it doesn't mean you approve of it, right? Um, so acceptance is not equal to approval or to being in agreement with. When you accept something, it just means that you stop avoiding and you stop resisting it. And there is a lot of healing power. There's a lot of change that happens when you stop resisting and when you stop avoiding. I know I'm probably repeating myself quite a bit, but uh, in terms of anxiety and fear or whatever uncomfortable, a negative situation, emotion, thought, if you don't have control over it, you need to learn to accept it. And by accepting, I don't mean that you are resigned to it. I don't mean that you tolerate it. I don't even uh, mean that you approve of it. Simply, you stop avoiding and you stop resisting. And by doing so, things change. Talking about addictions, for example, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. The first step, and I do apologize, I am no expert in the topic, although I do respect and admire um, 
this program. The first step of the 12 steps is something like accepting that I am powerless over my addiction. What a paradox. So I want to overcome an addiction. But in order to overcome an addiction, I have to accept that I am powerless over it, that there's nothing I can do about it. Wow. That is crazy. In the first step to overcome an addiction is to accept that I am powerless over it. In this first step of the 12 steps of Alcoholic Anonymous, we see the paradoxical intent. We see a paradoxical intention. Once I accept that I am powerless over my addiction, my anxiety and my fear drop. Once I stop avoiding or resisting my addiction, right? I stop feeding the addiction. And at that moment, I am more able to overcome my addiction. That's why it is important when you're in recovery to accept that you are powerless over an addiction, right? That lowers the anxiety levels and that makes you more capable of achieving change. So that's where my, my phrase is, achieving change through acceptance, right? Achieving change through acceptance. And this is hard for us specifically in our Western culture. You know, we're used to doing, accomplishing, achieving, working, moving, right? fixing. We're, we're, we live in a society that wants to fix everything. And right now I'm saying there are things that the only way we can change them is by achieving a certain level of acceptance. I'm a, I'm a fan of Winnie the Pooh. I love Winnie the Pooh. If you ever want to give me a present, if it's related to Winnie the Pooh, I will highly appreciate it. And I think at one time Winnie the Pooh says, sometimes the best thing we can do is nothing. Sometimes the best thing we can do is nothing, right? So this is a deep issue, a deep concept. Basically, if you're going to accept something, that, that means that you're going to stop um, avoiding it and stop resisting it, right? Because the more you avoid, the more you resist, the stronger that something becomes, now, let me talk a little bit about masturbation. I know you are waiting for that moment. Albert Ellis, another one of my favorite personalities in the world of psychology. He is the founder of rational emotive behavioral therapy, right? And he's the one that he, he's credited with coining this phrase, masturbation, right? You can Google it and read a lot about it, but be careful when you're typing in the word. The emphasis is on the word must, M U. ST. And masturbation pretty much um, refers to an inflexible way of thinking, a rigid way of thinking. Okay, masturbation refers to the demands, demands that we place on the self, on others, and on the world. For example, I must be or I must do, others must be or others must do, the world must be. Right? These are inflexible ways of thinking. These are our rigid ways of thinking. We're setting demands on ourselves, on others, and on the world. For example, here are the uh, common uh, uh, demands. I must do well in everything I do. 
And if I don't do well, I am a worthless person and my efforts are pointless. So I must do well. For example, I must get straight A's. And if I don't, I'm stupid. I'm incompetent. I'm inadequate. I'm a bad person. I'm worthless and my efforts are pointless. Right? For example, you must treat me well. You must treat me the way I want to be treat me, treated. And if you don't treat me that way, you are no good. You are a bad person. Here's another one. The world must give me what I want. And if it doesn't, the world is a horrible and awful place. This is what I refer to or what we refer to as masturbation. All of us masturbate. But some have an actual chronic problem with masturbation. We have a, you know, some people have a very rigid mindset. We all do this. Okay, nobody is exempt from this. We all masturbate. You know, we all in certain areas of our life at some times impose these demands on ourselves, on others, and on the world, right? I must do well. And if not, I am worthless and my efforts are pointless. You must treat me well or else you're no good. The world must give me what I want. And if not, it's a horrible and awful place, right? Do you guys kind of sense the, the, the inflexible way of thinking, the rigidity of this way of thinking? The thing is, guys, there are only a few things we must do. In life, there's only a few things that we must do. For example, we must breathe. We have to breathe. I don't know if you knew this or not. This might be too profound for you. But if you don't breathe, you die. We must eat. We must drink. Well, water, not necessarily whiskey. We must sleep and we must um, go to the restroom. I don't want to say it in any other way. So there's only a few things that we have to do, breathe, eat, drink, sleep, and go to the restroom. If we don't do these things, we die, right? Everything else in life is a preference. Everything else in life is a choice. So we need to make that cognitive shift, turn our demands into preferences, Right? Instead of saying, for example, I have to go to work, you know, you can say, I don't have to go to work. I want to go to work. I choose to go to work because words are important, right? There's a big difference between saying I have to to saying I want to, right? And if I'm constantly telling myself I have to go to work, I'm putting a, 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 a weight on my shoulders. I have to do it. I have to go to school. I have to do my homework. I have to do this. I have to do that. That is a weight on our shoulders and it's difficult. And it really, that, that phrase really affects our mood, right? So instead of saying I have to, I recommend that, you, that we say, I want to. I don't have to go to work. I want to go to work. I choose to go to work. I don't have to go to class. I don't have to do my homework. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I want to. I choose to. Now, just because you choose to do something, it doesn't mean that that something is easy or that that something doesn't require effort. It simply means that you're doing it because you want to and you choose to. Words are important. 
So you have to be wise when selecting the words you use to talk to yourself, to describe yourself, and the words you use to describe your environment. The other day, you know, I had a, a quite difficult and challenging day. You know, I, I, I was running late to a meeting. I forgot my, my face mask. You know, I had to figure that out. I walked into the meeting. Then I went to my first class. The computer didn't work. The, the, the projectors didn't work. And, and I rely heavily on technology. So it's, it's, it's a problem when it doesn't work. And then, you know, I had to wing it through the class. And then I went to my next class and the, and the classroom was locked. Both doors were locked. I had to be calling people to come open it, you know. And there was just a series of events. I could have chosen to say that my day was bad. But I chose today to say that my day was challenging, right? Words affect our mood. You know, if I say I'm having a bad day, that's going to affect me one way. But I decided to say I'm having a challenging day and I enjoy challenges. And that day, even though it was a challenging and difficult day, I really kicked ass. You know, I usually do kick ass, right? But how... We phrase our situations, how we describe our situations, how we describe ourselves has a lot to do with it. So words are important. So instead of saying, instead of saying I have to, I must, I recommend you say I want to, I choose to do this. And it makes a huge difference. We need to transform our demands into preferences. For example, I told you that one of our demands, common demands is I must do well in everything I do or, I'm, or I am worthless and my efforts are pointless. That's a demand. Let's change that to a preference. I want to do well in everything I do, but I know it's not always possible. I'm not always going to do well. And when I don't do well, it kind of sucks. It bothers me, but it doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me worthless and my efforts weren't pointless. So we're going from saying, I must do everything well, or if not, I am a worthless person and my efforts are pointless to saying, I want to do things to the best of my ability. I want to do everything well. And I try to, and I make an effort to, but I know that it's not always possible. And when I don't do things well, it is bothersome. It does suck, but it's not the end of the world. It doesn't make me a bad person. And my efforts were actually not pointless, right? So that's the cognitive shift, going from a demand to a preference, going from I have to, to I want to, going from I must do it to I want to do it. I prefer it that way. But if it doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make the world an, off, an awful place. Where does this masturbation come from? You know, we have something called conditions of worth. Um, we were, we, we've all been conditioned to think we must earn the love, affection, and approval of others. We were raised this way. If you behave, I love you. Right. Most of our parents said that at some point. If you behave, I love you. They didn't say anything else, but they hinted to saying, if you don't behave, I don't love you. Right. So we've learned that our value and our worth as a person depends on our outcomes. Right. If I produce good outcomes, then I deserve love, affection, approval, acceptance. If I produce bad outcomes or no outcomes, then I don't deserve these things. So these are what we call conditions of worth. We've learned 
to, to make an effort to earn the love and the affection and the approval and the acceptance of others, right? Carl Rogers, it's the third person I'm mentioning today, another one of my favorites, right? He talked about unconditional positive regard. For example, as parents, we need to love our children unconditionally. We don't love them based on their grades. We don't love them based on their behaviors. We don't love them based on what they do or they don't do. We love them simply because they exist, simply because they are. And we know that their worth and value and dignity as a person doesn't depend on the outcomes of their actions. You know, their value, their worth, their dignity is innate. It's a part of them simply because they exist and they are. So when we parent, we have to get rid of these conditions of worth. Don't be telling them if you behave, I love you, because that means that if you don't behave, I don't love you. That's wrong, right? Their worth, their value, and their dignity doesn't depend on their outcomes. And they shouldn't have to fight or they shouldn't have to make an effort to earn our love, our affection, our approval, and our acceptance. They should have it unconditionally. But a lot of us live life that way. That's why we masturbate. That's why we truly believe that we must be a certain way or, or, or others must be or do a certain, be a certain way and do a certain thing because of these conditions of worth. We think we need to earn love, earn affection, earn approval and acceptance. The truth is that we don't. Our value and our worth is innate. You know, we're valuable and we're worthy and we have dignity simply because we exist and we are. So we have to have an unconditional positive regards, regard towards ourselves and towards others, right? Especially our kids, right? Especially our kids. Shooting all over yourself. What does that mean? Okay, this is what I wrote a little bit earlier today. The word should is an external manifestation of masturbation. Masturbation is a private, intimate function. You do that on your own, by yourself, in your, in your precious little mind. It's a very intimate activity. To masturbate is a very private and intimate activity. But when you start saying the word should, I should have, I shouldn't have, uh, I should over and over again, the word should is an external manifestation of masturbation. It expresses a rigid and inflexible way of thinking. So the more you use the word should, you know, I should, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have, the more you use the word should, the clearer it becomes that you have a problem with masturbation. Okay, and when I hear people saying, I should, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have over and over again, I know that that person has an inflexible and rigid way of thinking. They are masturbating. They are living with a whole bunch of demands. And, and the problem of having these demands is that, you know, it causes psychological and emotional problems, man. You know, it, it makes us feel pretty bad because if we don't fulfill those demands, then we think we're horrible people. We're incompetent, we're incapable, we're inadequate. If others don't fulfill our demands, we think that they are horrible people. If the world doesn't fulfill our demands, we think it's an awful place. And that's a, that's a, a bad way of living, right? Um, you're never going to be happy. Not only because you have high expectations, but because you have very un- realistic expectations, okay? So what I recommend is that 
we try to cut down on the masturbation, that we stop shooting all over ourselves, and that we learn the virtue of acceptance. There are things in life we have little to no control over. Instead of avoiding them and resisting them, I recommend we learn to accept them, to embrace with them, to live with them. And believe it or not, Winnie the Pooh was right. Sometimes the best, things we can, the best thing we can do is to do nothing, right? We can actually achieve change through acceptance. So how am I going to end this episode? Well, stop masturbating. Stop shooting all over yourself and grow in the virtue of acceptance. And above all things, be good and do good. And at some time, we'll meet again in another episode of Chronicles of a Psychology Professor.